internet brand strategist Sandra Beck interviews top business coaches, speakers, authors, and thought leaders to bring you the best business tips, tricks, and techniques to give your idea the best possible chance for success. From writing your first novel, to telecommuting from home, to taking your small business to infinity and beyond. Now here's your host, Sandra Beck. Hey everybody, this is Sandra Beck and I'm so excited to have another episode with Dr. Andrew Whitman. If you guys are listening this week and you didn't hear last week's show about winning the mental game, you're going to want to go and pull that up on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you're listening to us today, or you can go to TogiNet where all of the shows are hosted. You're going to find lots of episodes. I think in our career today, I think we've done like I don't know, eight or nine shows, maybe 10. I have no idea. I can't keep count, but I know it's always a good time, which keeps me coming back. It is always a good time. And I will tell you, I take notes during these shows with Dr. Andrew Whitman because I always get good stuff, not only for myself, but for my kids, for my family. And we're going to talk today about how the physical relates to the mental game. And Andrew, I found this out because I've been taking care of my 87-year-old dad, who is a full-blown diabetic. When his blood sugar gets off, he gets foggy, he gets confused, he thinks he's going to die, which is always exciting, and he becomes very childlike, you know, temper tantrumy, complaining, and then when I balance that sugar back, sometimes we have to walk him around the living room and water him up until yep. he burns that sugar, gets it back in normal, I have my super fun, totally game for everything dad back. And all of it just because of some sugar. Correct. And I, I'll start off with this. You cannot fight your biology. You'll never win if you try to fight your biology. If you're trying to like handle mood swings or emotions or even cognitive clarity, you can't fight your biology. Wow. Wow. What a great, great, you know, like here I'm getting my pen out, getting my notes out because, you know, when my kids give me lip, about, you know, eating breakfast, about what I made for dinner, or, you know, they go through these things. One was a vegetarian for a while, then he was all keto, you know, they're all over the map, but you can't fight your biology. You can't. I mean, you'll lose that fight every single time. Um, and because, listen, we, we are a spirit, we have a soul, right, mind and emotions, but we live in a body. Sure. And if the body isn't functioning right, nothing else functions right either. Sure. I mean, because you can't think, you know, and your emotions get so whacked out. And I mean, teenagers, especially, they're like marinating in hormones. Like my eighth grader is like a ball of hormone soup, and I never know what's going to show up for breakfast. Right. And when my kids were all going through that, and um, I had two boys and a girl, right? And I, my oldest is 22, and then I have a 19-year-old, and then my uh, son, and then my girl is 16. So whenever they were coming through all that, even still now, because they're still young males, um, whenever there is that, I give a large tolerance, right? There's going to be a huge tolerance level for me. I don't get upset at stuff because I'm, I know what hormones do to the body. I know that you say stuff that you didn't even mean and you weren't even thinking about it. It just come flying out of where because you can't fight your, right? Same thing if you don't have sleep, like what you said with your dad, there's people that get quote hangry, right? All these things, you know, sleep deprived, it could be, there could be, you know, listen, fast food's not good for your system either. 
all these things, right, that uh, lots of sugar or carbs, you know, starchy carbs, they kind of mess with you. Food coma, we all talk about it, right? Sure. Or um, you know, you, drunk, carb drunk. I like, you know, carb drunk, too yeah. many carbohydrates. You feel like you're drunk. All these things. This is the stuff that you can't fight, and it makes you feel a certain way. Uh, and but it's all biological, and you'd be like, I don't, I don't understand why you know I'm depressed. I don't understand why I'm anxious. I don't understand why I'm. Well, listen, you might be anxious if you're eating, drinking too many Red Bulls, man. I'm just saying, you, <laughs> like, lay off the monster drinks or whatever it is. You know, dial down on the caffeine, um, right? So, but you can't fight your biology, and if you start with that premise, then you can begin to balance your hormones and balance your mood and balance your emotions. Well, and or and or be aware of what is like the beautiful thing about having teenage boys and having great relationships with them is they feel free to tell you right back, not in a disrespectful way, but in a helpful way. Like my older son recently, he's six, five, he lost 41 pounds because he kind of porked out before he had his growth spurt. Then he had his growth spurt and he didn't like the way he was looking. So, you know, he's through diet, fitness, exercise, and he reads every article on the internet but he made a joke to me one time and he was right. He said, yeah, mom. He goes, I can tell. He goes, Friday's cry day in our house. And I said, what do you mean? He says, by Friday, he said, you're so ripped from hitting all our soccer games and swim meets and, you know, dance stuff. And then working full time, taking care of grandpa. He says, by Friday, you're worn out. Friday's cry day. And he says, so how about Fridays? We just order pizza. We used to order pizza on Sunday nights because yeah. we don't like, we don't, eat out a lot. We, we watch our monies, but Sunday night was always pizza night. So yeah. he goes, what if we Brilliant. move pizza night to Friday night? Cause he's like, you're always ripped. Yeah. And Brilliant. he's like, Friday's cry day. And then Zachary, my 13 year old, he goes, yeah, he goes, we always say Friday's cry day. How long is it going to take for mom to tear up? <laughs> yeah. But see the awareness, like that's winning the mental game there too. Right. So if you know what your limit, and it was a John Wayne, a man's got to know his limitations, right. Or a human, right. We got to know our limitations. And if you do, then you can set yourself up for success instead of failure. Like pizza on Friday is setting yourself up for success. That's brilliant. It is. And you know, I actually took it like three or four steps further and, you know, by Sunday afternoon, I'm raring to go, Andy. I'm ready for my work week, Sunday afternoon. Like right. some people like crawl into the weekend, not me. I'm like ready to hit the ground going Monday morning. And again, this was like something I thought about myself. I'm like, this is dumb. Why am I waiting for Monday morning? I'm self-employed. I own my own company. Oh, the only person who can fire me is me. Right. So I start my Monday morning, like five o'clock on Sunday. I do my planning. I make my pre-calls. I send out emails for responses I want back in the week. Like I started doing my Monday morning, Sunday afternoon. And you know what I did? I start taking Friday off because my kids are right. By Friday, about two o'clock California time, chicken roasted, flame broiled, done. That's so awesome. So, so my work day ends on Friday. And today, when we finish our show, I will wrap up my office. I'll clean up my stuff. I'm not going to touch it till Sunday at four. So all I did was ratchet back that clock. Because see, I can't change the school schedules. I can't change my kids' sports schedules. Right. I can change my schedule. And I, I'm the problem. I'm the solution, right? That That's again. right. And so, and there is research to back this, right? If you understand when your, your, your rhythms are, right? There's, there's a we all have rhythms where we're more um, cognitively sharp and energetic. And then when we 
come down from that. Like a lot of times it's at lunchtime after lunch. That's why like when I do corporate training, I don't even eat lunch because everybody's asleep after lunch. Somebody has to be awake. Right. So it's the same thing if you could. So when I was writing the book, the last one, seven secrets for parents, right. Um, resilience for parents. I, I would write for a couple hours in the morning and then I would go work out and then do my emails and all my other stuff. And then I would kind of, you know, crash down in the afternoon where I would do things that were not as uh, cognitive, ta- cognitively taxing in the afternoon. You know, Andy, I'm going to cut you off just for a second because I want to thank our sponsor today. And, you know, we are sponsored today by Beta Brand. And those are those cool, awesome dress pants. They're like, <laughs> I know, Andy, you wouldn't want to wear those. Yeah. But they're Beta Brand dress yoga pants. And, you know, you don't have to decide what to wear because, because yeah. you know, we still have to, you know, go to a meeting, go to, you know, spin class, go to uh, pick up our kids from school, go to volleyball and basketball and all these things and you know then a lot of us like me I have to come back and do work at night and sometimes meet clients for dinner so beta brands dress pant yoga pants are perfect for the office for the home anywhere your day takes you and when you have the to-do list like I do Andy that never ends you're going to want to check out these pants they're stylish they're comfortable they're professional so and they have all sorts of styles of dress pants. They've got dozens of colors. They've got patterns. They've got cuts. They've got styles. you got to go to betabrand.com and check them out because they got boot cut. they got straight cut, skinny, cropped, and more. Like, you will just love these. And they have the same flexibility of yoga pants. And we're talking about fitness today. So we really want to talk about how to stay fit and sexy and fun as we go about our days. And right now, our listeners can get 20% off their first order when you go to betabrand.com slash coach talk that's 20% off your first order at betabrand.com slash coach talk and you know what Andy millions of women agree that these are the most comfortable pants you'll ever wear to work and you can go to betabrand.com slash coach talk for 20% off because now whoo that's a mouthful but I really love these pants and I think you will too um Andy we're talking about you know the things that we're doing and you know you only eat once a day yeah and I eat once a day right so then at four o'clock I would eat my one meal and then I would ramp back up. And then from like five to seven, I would also get back to writing again because I had another bump in my cognitive clarity. And I, I had that energy to write again. And I got into that rhythm when I figured out, you know, because trying to write at two in the afternoon right before I eat, you know, after I haven't eaten for 24 hours, you just start feeling like, well, you know, kind of punchy. Well, and I think it's, you know, it's funny because I'm listening to you and I'm, I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Except my yeah, yeah, yeah is completely different. You know, when my kids were really small and I had trouble affording childcare, I used to work nights and I worked a lot of programming jobs because who cares when you do the programming job. And I also know if I start programming, Andy, I know this sounds ridiculous because if I'm not programming, I'm in bed by nine. But if I start programming, I start at nine. And I will go till four in the morning and create the most amazing stuff for my clients, go to bed for two hours, get up, take my kids to school, and then put my eye mask on with my headphones built in and then sleep till like 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. And that works because my kids are in school. I can relax. Like, you know, somebody else is watching my kids. So that allows me as a single mom to let down. So if I'm working and for some reason, when I'm on deadline, like I have a deadline for this romantic comedy I wrote for my publisher, I do it. I start at nine or 10 at night. And then my dad takes the kids to school. You know, we completely shift, 
Because if you ask me to write at eight o'clock in the morning, not happening. I will punch your face in. Like, right. <laughs> there is- this is brilliant. And again, this is the physical side of the mental game. If gotcha. being self-aware of what your rhythms are and when the best, see, this is, but then you took action on it. Otherwise yes. people get frustrated. This is why people are stressed out and frustrated. And, and, and people are like, well, I can't change that. I can't change this. Uh, uh, you know what? I, I cry me a river because you had to overcome so much stuff and you figured out a way to make it work. Like if you're, you're a human, you're resilient enough to make it work. Right. Well, and I'll be honest, how awake do you have to be to sit with your kids watching Dora the Explorer this morning or playing blocks? Like this was the decision I had to make because like my prime work days cost me so much money in childcare with two kids, not out of diapers yet. Like right. in California, that's a big deal. Yeah. No parents to watch the kids, no friends, no money. So you just go, I can't change certain things. But you always can change something. You can Correct. change how you can feel. You can change how you look at it. You know, when I started going, God, I am so glad my father made me take all these egghead classes because I wanted to study writing and art and dance. <laughs> right. And instead I took physics, calculus, chemistry, and programming. Right. right. Now I was like, I'm so grateful for my mom and dad. I'm so grateful for the talents that I have. I'm so grateful, God, for the gifts I'm given. So what if I have to stay up all night and be kind of tired during the day, taking care of my kids? We're in our house. Like, I think a lot of it is to, like, isn't it Caddyshack that said, like, keep your eye on the ball or like, yes, like, I, I look at the ball. I don't look at anything else in my way. Because there are six ways to get over something, go under it, around it, blow it up, you know, <laughs> climb over it, whatever it is. Correct. You want, keep your eye on that ball. And my brothers were big proponents of keep your eye on the ball, Sam. Nothing else matters. No, and that's exactly right. That's brilliant. And again, uh, keeping your eye on the ball is also the physical part of the mental game. Whatever you focus on, you're going to put energy behind. Right. And whatever you're seeing, the eye is singular. You can only, like, think about this. You can only focus on one thing at a time. If you focused on, like, TV is easy. You could focus on the whole picture because it's 2D. But when you go to see a 3D movie, stuff is blurry in the background. The thing that you're focused on is in the front. Same gotcha. thing when you're driving. You can only focus on one thing at a time. Everything else will be blurry, the peripheral, all that. So you have to decide what is it that you're going to focus on right now. And, again, this is, again, with the multitasking. I know that's popular and people are like, well, I'm a multitasking expert. And even in corporate, we're like, can you multitask? That's just code for I'm going to burn you out. Or right? it's code for something else is doing things for me. Because this is the big, you know, illusion of multitasking. Right. Excel is running a report right now as I do the show. We are not multitasking. The computer Correct. is working simultaneously with me. So can right. we do things simultaneously? Absolutely. There is laundry in right now. My Excel program is running. My dad's TV is on because it sounds like there's a Harrier landing in the next room because he nice. listens to the American Heroes chair out like 90 festivals. All of those things are happening simultaneously, but I'm on the air with you. Right. And we're doing one thing. You and I were focused yep. on one thing. Exactly. And if you can make that shift in your head that I only focus on one thing at a time, then you will put maximum cognitive uh, thought power, if you will, the cognitive power behind that one task and you'll get it done well. If you're trying to do, they, they did a study where they had kids come in 
Um, and we already know this because you only take an English test. You don't take an English test plus a social studies test plus an algebra test at the same time. Right. But what they did is they did this. They did want to study it. So they gave a kid two tests. Here's an English test and here's a history test. What do you think the max score they could get on that? If they were both timed, here you go, here's your two tests. You would think it's 50%, but it wasn't. No. It was 48% because they actually dropped cognitive processing going back and forth between tasks. Right, because they're added, switching. Yes, and when you added a third one, it went down to 29%. Right. So we don't – and then listen, we already know this. Would, if you put your, would you put your five-year-old on the school bus where the driver's reading the paper, making some waffles, <laughs> and, and, you know, no, we no. want them just doing what? Driving the bus, you know? This is not hard. This ain't rocket science. No, it's not. It's not. And, you know, the, the multitasking thing, I think, is such a myth because here I am. Okay, I'll admit, I am full-blown ADHD. I have five or six things going on at once. But it doesn't mean that my focus is on five or six things Correct. on once. And I can tell you because something always goes down and it's usually the brownies. It's usually the cookies. They come yeah. out like charred hockey pucks because I do have five things going on at once. But I can only focus on one thing at once. And my kids are so funny, Andy, because they understand. They've, they've done their research. They're like, oh, I studied ADHD in women. That's why I have to tap mom on the shoulder to get her attention. I can't say anything. You know, but knowing what you're good at and knowing what you struggle with, you know, like my kids text me everything they need because they know if they tell mom, She's thinking about something else in one ear, out the other, out the other. go in, bounces off like a rubber ball. I'm the same way. I'm like, you want to be, you got to text me at the grocery list or, you yeah. know, you want something from, you know, Taco Bell, text it to me. And Don't you better me. put the sauce, the pickles, the yeah. cheese, the whatever, because right. I got nothing. Yeah, I, I'm going to get what I want then. If I don't see anything, we're just getting what I want. You know, right. no, I'm with you. Like, but yeah. this is like, this is more than half the battle yeah. is being aware of yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's really, if you can't, if you're not self-aware enough to know that you need to, right, you set yourself up for failure and all those, everybody around you. So if you can know yourself and then begin to build your uh, world around you inside those, you know, I call them workarounds. Just like you said, there's six ways to work around. Right? I, yeah. I have things that, listen, I got weaknesses and I got strengths. I do workarounds for the weaknesses. Yes. You know, and you can train your friends and family because we do teach people how to treat us. Yeah. You know, like when I'm on deadline, my whole family mobilizes. You know, it's like, it's amazing how laundry gets done, rooms get picked up, lunches get made, everybody gets where they need to be when I'm on deadline. And my kids are so cognizant that when I'm on deadline, I have to get this done because it means us staying in our house. It means us having gas and food to eat. Like they get it. Right. Yep. They will actually go to the garage and grab my secret stash of Mountain Dew, Diet Mountain Dew, which I only break out in intense situations. Emergencies, right? Yep. And I hear them out in the hallway. I hear, whoosh, and then I hear, because I like it on ice yeah. in a plastic cup in. with a top and a straw because I knock yeah. stuff over like a little kid while I'm That's working. Awesome. And they come in like nine o'clock, mom, we're going to bed. And they set it down. And I have such love for them. Because we're doing as a family, as a team, what we need. And right. I know it sounds silly, but if mom needs a Diet Coke or a Diet Mountain Dew at 9.30 before bedtime, because they know I'm going to be rocking it all night long, that's teamwork. Yeah. And you know what? They're, and you have love for them, but what they, when they're doing that, 
and they're making it how you want it down to the last detail. They're showing love for you. Yeah. And it's different, you know, and that's one of the things I like about our shows is because, you know, we don't always get peeks into people's real life. You know, we see social media, we see the outcomes, we see everything. But when do you ever have a chance to sit in somebody's living room and observe? Like I got to sit in our last show that we did talking um, about the mental toughness, winning the mental toughness game. You talked about having this family bank account. And if some of the kids or you or your wife want to draw against it, you have a family meeting. So right. for that moment, I got to sit in your living room and observe. And I'm going to take away from that my own version of it in my household. Yeah. And, and see, that's what I love about when you and I get together. This is what... That's why I love being around you in your space. Because you and I, we're just so transparent. It's ridiculous. I mean, there is, we got no fences around us when we're together. We're just like, it's just, but, and it's real. Yeah. And that's what I love about your shows is it's just real. Sandra. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I think I'm really lucky. And I know this might sound weird, but I'm really lucky that I started my parenting career with a broken family. Because prior to that, I was thinking about this, you know, when we were talking about some things, my marriage was very public and it looked perfect to everybody. And it was far from perfect, clearly. Yeah. But if I had stayed married, Andy, I think I would have spent the majority of my time putting my finger in the dike, filling the cracks, smoothing everything over, making it all okay for everybody. And yeah. because I didn't have a choice, you know, my husband left, I didn't have a choice. I started with something that was broken. And what's really great about starting with something that's broken, you don't have to put on airs. I don't have to fool anybody. Right. Like my dirty laundry was out on the internet. It was out in the town. It was out on the news. All of it was there for everybody to yeah. see. There's nothing and, else to lose, right? You're, I mean, there's nothing else. Well, and there's no more pretending. Correct. And which is very freeing. Oh, huge. Huge because, and then I got to make up my rules because I didn't come from a single family household. My parents were married until my mom took her last breath and my dad was there for her and none of my brothers and sisters are divorced. So I was kind of, and I was always the oddball. Like that's the good part. I was the odd one in the family. Everybody's nurses, engineers, they're all like predictable. Yeah, And like, you know, I had career lits. I'm around the world. Like who knows where and what Sam's doing next. And my poor dad, Andy, he tells, he's like, well, you know, she's an engineer. He's an engineer. He owns a, you know, he works for NASA. My other daughter's a nurse. And then he gets to me and he's like, yeah, that one. Well, yeah, she beats to her own drum. But that's a great compliment. It's huge. But yeah. it's also freeing because I really feel sorry for people who feel like they have to perform for others. Yes. And they can't, they can't go to their own beat. They can't. That's sad. It is. And so when I kind of exposed my household for all of its foils, like last night we were trying to catch the lizard before the dog ate it. Because, <laughs> you know, when a dog eats a lizard, we have experience with this, it throws yeah. up for three days. Dogs uh, are not yeah. supposed to yeah. eat lizards. So we're not really trying to save the lizard. We're trying to save ourselves from having to, clean up puppy puke for three days it all works like on every level it all works and you know but being able to see that somebody's life is less than perfect and everybody's still happy maybe happier 
can give. I'm going to say half you're right because if you're trying to make listen, it ain't. Gonna, there was only one perfect person, and we killed him. So like, relax with the perfection <laughs> stuff. <laughs> that's gets on to my other show, which is Jesus saves, not me. So <laughs> yeah, even just like I mean, you know what I mean? Like all this just drive for perfection. No, listen, I'm a. I used to be a perfectionist, and I figured out I was always failing because I could never. So I switched from you know in my identity statement is not, I'm not a perfectionist anymore. I'm a man of excellence, right? I'll strive, give you my absolute best effort. Yep. But if I fail and it, it's not perfect, guess what? I can go to sleep at night because I gave you my best effort. Whatever right. the outcome is, it is what it is. Well, that's it. Like Andy, I almost killed myself because I couldn't be thin enough. I was never smart enough. You know, all these enoughs and you know, nobody, yeah. Nobody planted those in my head. I didn't have like weird parents. I wasn't raised in a yeah. cult like a perfection. You know, those were self-imposed things. Right. And I will be honest, my hair started to fall out. And I, you know, as girls, like we care about our hair. Yeah. So Listen, I care about my hair. Don't even think that I'm not. <laughs> but I was making myself bald. Wow. You know, this wasn't some alopecia thing. This wasn't yeah. some genetic thing. Because I went no. to all these doctors. Like, yeah, you're They're stressing like, out. Yeah. You're stressing out and you're stressing out over stupid things. Now, is my pantry still lined up like soldiers? Absolutely. Do you have to put the Campbell's chicken soup in front of the old Campbell's chicken soup and then rotate it? So first in, first out. Okay. Yes. <laughs> but beyond that, you talked about changing your personality and how from that study, 70 years, you get to choose who you are. You're not a victim of your genetics. Right. And that's one of the things that I teach. So I kind of do like a little disc thing in my, when I do a two day seminar and we figure out where we are on the chart. And then I say drive towards the center, because if you're like, you know, I call them the warrior and the opposite of the warrior is the comforter. Right. So like elf and his dad, like elf is a comforter, right? No, oh, somebody need a hug. And his dad's like, yeah, you know what? Get, get out of it. Get away from it. Right. So and then the, the other two opposites are like, I call it the headliner. They just love big ideas and like they, but they hate details. And then the opposite is I call it the scientist. They love details and they're just stuck down in the details, the engineer, the yep. accountant, right? Those are the opposite. What we should do though, is since we are going to change over the course of our life, why don't we be intentional about it? And I call it driving towards the center because at that center of the grid, if you're in the center, you can relate uh, to everybody. Yes. All the way around the circle. But if I'm like, and I was like off the chart warrior, like the only other person I could relate to was another warrior. Cause I was like, I'll get out of my way. I'll punch you in the throat. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like I, I couldn't be in the room with a comforter, you know, let's hug it out, man. I'll get <laughs> out of here. Right. So, but now I mean, and I, I tracked my own scores since 1997 and I'm really, really close to the center. I mean, I'm like, like half a point off from the direct center. And I have to work at it every day, but I work at that so that I stay in the center so that I'm authentic when I say, does somebody need a hug? But I'm also authentic if someone needs a punch in the throat. <laughs> right. Well, and there you just established what it's like to be a conscious, I know everybody throws that word aloud, but parent, a single parent. Because yeah. when you have to be the dad role and the mom role, you know, like mm -hmm. I remember when my kid got, and I'll send you the video of this, you'll love it. He's in volleyball, watching the net, watching the net. The kid fires like a pea. My son never saw it coming. Six foot five, takes it full on in the head, knocks him back. You know how hard you got to hit a six yeah. foot five guy to knock him back? And he's on the ground like this, but I know my kid. 
and he's kind of looking around and then he looks at me and I'm like, get up. <laughs> yeah. Right. You have to right, rub some dirt on it. Right. Because I had to, I had to pick the middle of the road and go, do I be comforting mom, run on the field and embarrass them? Right. Or do I be dad and yell, get up. So I chose, you know, the dad's side, but like he got up and he was fine. No concussion. You know, they checked yeah. him out and went back to the game. And then he said after he goes, mom, cause they played this on the loop at yeah. the awards. And then in the background, you hear his mom say, get up. Like I laughed, then said, get up. You know, it's that thing where you straddle that line between nurturer, caregiver, and then like drill sergeant, you yeah. know, tough up your boy. Like, right. I don't have girls, so I don't, I don't know anything about raising them. I'll never talk about raising girls, but I can talk about raising boys and talking about that fine line, Andy, you're talking about between that either male or female comforting, you know, cause not every female is comforting, not every male is ballistic. Like right. there's that fine line that we got to settle in. That's okay for us, especially as a single parent playing both roles. Absolutely. And then if you can do that intentionally, and work on your skills to get there. Cause I think we, we teach this as a physical skill, just like you would be driving the car or swinging a golf club, right? There's actually physical skills you could do to drive to the center of that thing. And then you can, it, it, it's so freeing to be able to use, and I call it a really, it's a communication style, not a personality style. It's a communication style because it's your packaging. Your personality is packaging. It's how you present to the world. It's not who you are deep down. No. It's how you present to the world. So, but it keeps you anchored. Um, in yourself that you could present in any way, shape, or form to yeah. anybody and still maintain who you are at the core. And it's so freeing to be able to do that. And I'll tell you this, it's great for harmonious relationships. Sure. You could get along with everybody. That's right. That's right. And I think sometimes like I'm pretty blunt, but there are times when I'll say the mom is going to give you a hug and the dad in me is going to kick your ass. Right. Like, you know, when they, when they make a mistake or they have whatever, because you know, and my kids understand the mom and dad role, but in all of us, you know, we have the alpha side of us and we have, you know, whether we want to share it, whether we don't think it's sure. attractive, you know, I have a lot of friends who, you know, like they'll say, oh, well, I'm just not as aggressive as you. I'm just not as, and I'm like, BS, somebody messes with your kid, mama bear right. comes out. Exactly. 100%. It's just you a know, matter so of, yeah. Yeah, it's situation. about recognizing the two sides of us because you weren't always tough as nails. I wasn't always tough as nails and I always wasn't sweet as pie. Yeah, that's why I joined the Marine Corps because I was the fat kid in high school and got bullied. Let's talk about that story because I love that story. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, my mom and dad were missionaries and I grew up in Australia in a little town called Wagga Wagga in New South Wales, halfway between Sydney and Melbourne. There was only four Americans in the city. And I say city, there was like 30,000 people in the surrounding area. I and mean, there was no, nothing American was there. Not a McDonald's, a pizza, nothing. Except four of us, right? My mom and dad, my kid brother and I. And I was 5'3", 185 pounds. And Australians, they like nicknames. They nicknamed me Beach Ball. Like, so that was my, because I was as wide as I was tall. Um, and then I got beat up a lot. I was a missionary's kid. I could never fight back. You're not allowed to fight back. You got to turn the other cheek, turn the other cheek. And so, so then I'm living my life in fear and anxiety. And I turned to food for comfort, which, you know, that's a doubt. I'm already a beach ball, right? <laughs> so that I'm eating more and getting more. I'm getting fatter and literally becoming a bigger target for the bullies. And um, I, I'm number five out of six kids, Sandra, right? So I'm the one that's supposed to go in the ministry and I'm supposed to go to Bible college. 
And where and I thought go? if I do, if I go to Bible college like this, I don't, I don't think I can live my life in this fear and anxiety and being the fat guy my whole life. So I had two friends of mine in Australia that they came and saved me from the bullies. Um, and both of them were going to go into the, um, the Australian military services. And so we, they, they kind of took me under the wing. And so consciousness is contagious. We would go do these hikes. We would do study battles. I mean, study World War II battles, study. I mean, we're studying all this stuff and we're there because they're totally into the history and we're going to museums. And so, and then I didn't even know as a missionary's kid, right? My mom and dad were like conscientious objectors. I don't know anything about the U.S. military. They teach me about my own United States Marine Corps. And so that's my first exposure to it. And then I realized that I, I need what the Marine Corps has. I need that mental toughness. I've got to, you know, get this under control. Um, and so that's why and when I left Australia, um, instead of going to Bible college, I went and joined the Marine Corps, which my mom and dad flipped out at, of course. Um, I enlisted. And I did go back to Bible college, and I got my master's, and I finished my Ph.D. in theology in 2010. I actually wrote my dissertation on one of my deployments in Afghanistan. Nice. Yeah, so, so I didn't, you know, that's why they call me machine gun preacher, right? <laughs> so like, you're so dyke, right? So, um, yeah, but that's what, that's what happened was I lived my life in fear and anxiety for the first, you know, 18 years of my life. And I was like, I can't, I got to do something about it. And the only thing I knew what to do at that point was join the Marine Corps. Gotcha. Well, that's near and dear to my heart. 25 years working with Marines. I mean, yeah. I think it's... I think when you know what you need and you go for it, there's no wrong and there's no judgment. Like I, I get that you didn't, you know, you didn't do what your parents wanted you to do, but at the end of the day, your parents wanted you to be happy. Yeah, no, we're totally cool. with. Listen, they, they, you know, they saw what happened and, and what the results were and yeah, no, it, it all worked out fine. And I did get to Bible college and I'll tell you, I'm a better man, I'm a better person, and I'm a better minister, like ministering to somebody, knowing, going through that thing that I went through, right? And the same thing with you. You can minister to people that I can never speak to. Right. Because I didn't go through it. Um, but you minister to me, and I never went through it. Do you see? Like, even if somebody didn't go through it, they get ministered to from you. Like, I, looking at your story, I'm like, listen, man, I got zero zip nada to complain or whine about. That's why I like being in your space. Right. I look at you. Right. And you do have, like, compared to me, you got stuff that you could be, you know, but instead you, you chose better instead of bitter. And that's why I love hanging out with you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, and, you know, the first person that came to me in my divorce was First Sergeant Hoffman. And he had me, because he came over with his wife, Janet, who's also a Marine. They came to my house one night for dinner. And a DVD got stuck in the TV and I started like freaking out and the kids were freaking out. You know, they were really little, but they're like, if daddy sees this, daddy's going to be mad at me. And we're going on and I'm like, get it out, get it out, get out. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Hoffman like literally grabbed me by the shirt after the kids went to bed and yanked me in the kitchen. And he's like, Beck, what is going on with you? He goes, I have never seen you afraid of anything in your life. And he goes, you're, and I, and I finally, like I told him everything and, you know, by the grace of God, just a couple of weeks later, my husband moved out and he's like, I watched you go from here down to here, you know, and now I'm like back up here, but different and, you know, changed and, and better. But he had me stand in the mirror and I remember crying and he's like, San, and I'm just going to use a bad word, but I'll modify it. He's like, stand in the mirror. And he goes, I want you to say, I am the S H I T. Right. 
And he had me do that. I couldn't do it. I couldn't look at myself in the mirror. I couldn't do any, any of this. Like if you had known me then, you would see a shell of the person I am today. And yeah. I think it's really important for anybody who's experienced domestic violence or experienced any of these things to recognize that it does not discriminate against race. It doesn't discriminate against sex. It doesn't discriminate against education or affluence or any of these things you know it all takes different forms the end result is you're shattered and you have a choice to either stay shattered or pick yourself up and the first person that came in and gave me a hand was one of my marine corps buddies who said look at wow. we're gonna and he's like i am gonna call you every effing day to make sure you are up you're taking a shower you're doing yeah. you know i had this ten thousand dollar a month overhead to pay for. I've got right. two little kids, mom's dying, family's 3000 miles away, but you got to take the hand that's offered to you. Right. Let me ask you this, if you don't mind, you don't have to answer this, of course, but that's okay. That, now what you saw in the mirror that day, do you ever, does that ever peek back at you even today? Absolutely. Absolutely. When I good. screw up at work, I'm saying good. I'm like, I'm so glad because every day I look at the mirror, I have to fight the fat kid. As I'm always seeing the fat kid every day in the mirror. People think I'm nuts. I'm nope. like, no, I see every day that fat kid is still. I'm looking right back at me, and I, I'm like, man, I'm just, you know, and I'm like, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope, we're not going. So that's why I asked you that. So yeah, make me feel better, like that you have to deal with it too. Well, and I'm going to tell you what you're going to do with that fat kid because I'm going to tell you what I do with the beaten girl. Yeah. I take her hand and I say, come on, we're going to get through this day because you mm. are still that fat kid. I am still that beaten wife. Yeah. And we have to integrate those because those are just shadow sides of ourselves. They're yes. just the light and dark. Right. And so, and a therapist helped me do this because I, I would say I fight that girl. I fight being that girl. And my therapist was like, Hey, you know what? You are that girl. And my coach told me that too. And he's like, why are you fighting that? embrace it, bring it in and say, yeah. you know what, you're going to come along with me because here's the thing, Andy, you're taking care of beach ball. Now, oh, every yeah. time you make a good decision, every time you eat right, every time you inspire somebody else, every time you make a choice, you're taking beach ball with you, not as an anchor, right? but as part of you that you wholly embrace and own. Right. And I actually thank beaten San because if San wasn't beaten, I'd be sticking my finger in the dike in that marriage and trying to make it right. And instead, it fell apart, humiliated all those things. I got a do-over. See, and you got a do-over. When you Absolutely. joined the Marine Corps, you got a yeah. do-over. Yes, it was your own choice, but you get to do it differently. And when you do that and you integrate both of those parts with yourself, Next time you see beach ball in the mirror, grab his hand and say, come on, I'm going to take you for the ride of your life. Yeah. And I did. I took him for, you know, and I have embraced him, you know, because I tell you the story. I'm not ashamed, but I, you're right. It's a hundred percent right. That's, that's part of who we were. I'm not hiding from it. No. Um, but I will say this, right? So, um, well, no, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, no, it's all good. Yeah, no, it's all good. But uh, you know, I love that. I mean, I, that's why I guess I'm drawn to you, right? And I think other people are too, because you said I did have a choice, but the pressure was immense for me not to join the Marine Corps. Well, I'll tell you, when you got two little kids, two little boys that are yeah. looking at you to raise them into good men, 
and yeah. you're standing in the kitchen crying and holding a baby and your toddler is sitting in front of the TV with his arms over his head, covered rocking. in tears, yeah. watching Thomas the Train rocking to block it out. I'm yeah. telling you, you don't have a choice either. Right. No, that's right. You didn't. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. The, the pressure is great. But I guess the, the bottom line is if you take action, no matter how bad it is, you you can uh, and i'm not talking about in like you know countries where there's a dictatorship or whatever but in america right we do have choices you can make a choice to get out of something well and you can make the wrong choice you know there were a couple leading up to the right choice you know i right. met with a divorce attorney and i crumbled you know he said to me the first one said to me you all women sound alike i didn't know who i married i didn't know what i was getting into wah, wah, wah. And I went Next. and Next. months went by, but he needed to make sure I could stand up in court and all these things, whatever the guy's an asshole, but oh, okay. you know, but the long story short is I wasn't ready to file that day Yeah, because if I couldn't take the heat of somebody saying, you know, That's all you right. women say the same thing, he didn't do the wow, wow, wow. I added that on, but the uh, point being, <laughs> I added that that was in my <laughs> internal dialogue, yeah. but uh, the point being was I had a couple false starts before I finally got it right. I think all of us have that. Yeah, I think uh, all of us do that. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, and it's okay. That's what I tell people, man. It's like, if you, you know, when you're ready, you'll pull the trigger, right? You'll, you'll, right. When you're ready, it'll all line up and you're ready to go. Um, yeah, I mean, even like in, in my business this year, I'm, I'm kind of changing gears, right? And I'm like, why did I do this like five years ago or three years ago? Because I wasn't ready. Right, and it wasn't time. Right. And, but now it is uh, like, so, you know, that's we, we all walk through the process of this thing called life. <laughs> right. Well, I call it life school. Like I'm in life school. Like, yeah, like teaching I like things. that. That's so good. Yeah. You know, so I'm good. learning things and you know, Andy, if anybody asks you when they should file for divorce, do you think it's time? Do you think it's time? I always tell everybody the same thing. If you're not sure, don't. Because there will come a day, I promise you, that you will wake up and you will know exactly what to do without a shadow of a doubt. And there won't be any, do you think, asking, coulda, shoulda, woulda, right. it's clear. Right. That's one of the things we teach our clients is like, if there's any doubt, just stop. Right. If it's there's doubt, no rush. Right? Yeah. If, if in doubt, take it out. Don't do yeah, it. Yeah, like just just stop, man. There's no rush here. Don't be in a hurry to like and that's in any decision. Like right? should I buy this car or not? Then no. If you're asking the question it's no. You know, should, should I get this should I take this job? If you're asking that question then it's no. Right? If it's right. You know, if you're looking for validation from somewhere outside of yourself, then it's going to be no. That's right. That's right because there's also clarity and this is where, you know, whatever your belief system is, you know, the power of prayer and the power of just sitting in silence. You know, I'm a believer, but not everybody is. But if you're listening to the show today, if you shut up, you will get the answer. There's no question. Without a Look, doubt. I'll just say, work for Superman. He had that whole fortress of solitude. There you go. I mean, if it's good enough for Superman. Right, if it's good enough for Superman. Right. Not I mean, Batman, you know, he, but I will right. take Superman. Yeah. No, I mean, regardless of what your belief system is. But I will say, and here is my plug, because I am a Christian, I am a believer. I could not be where I am today 
in any way, shape, or form without my faith. Because when everything is lost, I was able to turn to faith. And I can tell you, my attorney at one point looked at me and he said, how are you so calm? He said, people are not this, women are not this calm. You shouldn't be this calm. And he kept talking about being calm. And I looked at him and I said three words. I have faith. I know right. that whatever God is putting at me, he's either teaching me, growing me, growing somebody else. There's a reason I don't have to understand it. I just have to trust that I will get through it. And as long as I have faith, I believe I will. Brilliant. There's going to be an outcome. We can't control it, but we can control how crazy we get. And right. when my kids say, mom, why do you believe so strongly? And I'm like, because if I don't, I'm a mess. Right. So and this is the thing, right? So that's another thing that we teach, right? I can't control anything external to myself. The only thing I can control is my response. Right. So that's what I focus on is controlling my response. Sure. And then my response that, is predicated on the belief of a higher power that I'm going to be okay. Which, which is like that. And the research even bears that out. Like, so if the people that aren't believers, but you like science, the research shows that if you do have faith in something bigger than yourself, a higher power, that it actually, your responses are more measured. And again, back to your word, calm. Calm. Yeah. Because, you know, you got to use the tools that you're given. And, you know, when my kids say, well, mom, what happens at the end of your life if you're dead and all of your beliefs were wrong? Because, you know, we live in that Google area, yeah, yeah. beliefs wrong and right. Well, if they were wrong, I got a great return on my investment while I was here. That's it. That's it. My life is better because of it. And if I'm wrong at the end, so be it. I had a good life. Because if there's nothing at the end, what did you lose? Yeah, right. Nothing. And I gained massive amounts of successes, fulfillments, and happinesses while I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't worry about being right or wrong. I think right and wrong no. is better left for Google and people who don't want to be in a relationship. Yeah. Right. Like who even cares? Like, yeah. And now, let me say that, right. When I was younger, like my target was I wanted to be right. But then I realized if I wanted to be married for a very long time, that my target should be to have a good relationship. And it gave me permission to be wrong. That's right. And the same thing with parenting. You want exactly. to be right or you want to have a relationship with your kids. Correct. So, we're going to leave that on that note. Um, we're visiting today with Dr. Andrew Whitman. We had a great show last week, so look that up. There's also some in the archives that you're not going to want to miss. Andy, how do people find out more about you? www.getwarriortough.com. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you for being my guest today. As always, we had a lot of fun. I got a whole stack of notes over here, and uh, <laughs> I just love my time with you. We have a great time. Oh, but listen, I'm the one. I always leave more energized whenever I've spent any time with you. So I'm like a sucker. I'm hooked on Sandra. <laughs> I love that. I love that. All right. Well, thanks again for being my guest today. We'll be back again next week with another great show. On behalf of Sandra Beck, we want you to get out there today to make more money with less time and effort so you can live the life you want. Tune in next week for more tips, tricks, and techniques on Coach.